Okay, good yantif everyone. Today is Yutes Kislev. It's the 19th day of Kislev. That is the day that the Reb Shneir Zalman, the person who I was named after, he was released from jail following a 50-day, 53-day imprisonment for spreading Judaism around the world. Good evening, Moshe Mendel. And we'll talk about that for a moment, and then we'll get into the Tanya. I'd like to share with you a letter from 1747, 1746, written by Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement. Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov had a brother-in-law named Rabbi, Ger, Rabbi Yaak, Rabbi Gershon, Rabbi Gershon Kurtver, and the Baal Shem Tov tried sending letters to his brother-in-law, who lived at the time in Israel, numerous times, and each time it failed. The third time he tried to send a letter, within the letter he writes how he's been trying to write so many letters. That letter never made it to him, and therefore we actually have a copy of that third letter he wrote to his brother. And I'd like to share with you a few points. Again, he says that in, he says that in Rosh Hashanah of the year 1746, my soul went up to heaven. And if you're aware with the, of the history at the time, the Frankists were very strong. In, in the year 1747, around that time period, they were quite strong. And the Baal Shem Tov says that he sees the angel of death is smiling. And when the angel of death smiles, you be careful. And the Frankists, Jacob Frank, and the Frankist movement at the time had, had some followers that were still very active. The false messiah? Correct, correct. Okay. And when you see the angel of death happy, you should be aware. And the Baal Shem Tov sees that he's happy because he has almost gotten a signature from Hashem that thousands of Jewish people should convert to Christianity that year. The Baal Shem Tov tells his brother-in-law, he says, I was very frightened. I didn't know what to do. So I called my teacher. And together with my teacher, we went up level to level to level until we came to the level of Mashiach. He says, I saw Mashiach learning Torah with all of the authors of the Mishnah, the Tanoim. He was learning, he was learning Torah together with all the authors of the Gemara, the Amoraim. Together with him were the seven shepherds of Israel, Moshe, Aaron, David, Shlomo, Yosef, all the shepherds of Israel are there. And I walk inside. And I say, Mashiach, what are you doing here? When are you coming? And he responds, he says, When you, when your message, you Rabbi Yisrael, when your message is going to be spread throughout the world, that's when I'm going to come. When the message of Hasidus will permeate, will be something that everyone is able to recognize and understand, that's when I'm going to come. Mm. So the Baal Shem Tov says I was very pained. He says, that's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. He says, 
I was in a lot of pain. But he concludes the letter to his brother-in-law and he says this. He says, let me tell you the biggest secret I could ever share with you. If you want to accomplish the greatest thing in the world, I'll quote it first in Hebrew, it's well nine, and then translate. Achzos animodiach. Let me share this much with you. When you're praying and learning, every word that you pronounce, have in mind to, un- to unite and to glorify God. He says that is the secret of the world. Imagine we would only think every time we did something that this is for the sake of God. That is the secret of the world. And so tonight we're celebrating the publicity, where we're celebrating the release of Abshner Zalman from his imprisonment in, in Russia, and when the world itself recognized how Hasidis is something that is going to bring peace and harmony to the world. And therefore it's, it's a special holiday. You know, why are you alive, Yosef? Are you alive because you're alive, or you're alive because a truck didn't hit you today? Are you alive because you're alive, or you're alive because a truck didn't hit you? A truck didn't hit you. You're alive because you're alive. You know, my Rebbe, my teacher, asked me the same question. He said, are you alive because you're alive, or you're just alive because a truck didn't happen to hit you today? Are we personally alive, or we're alive because someone else is not alive. Am I great because I'm great or I'm great because that guy is bad? You know, in school, we, ve- we see this phenomena very often. Are children lifted, lifting themselves up? Are they making themselves better? Or are they putting everyone else down and that way they're, they're doing okay? It's a common phenomena we see. And that is what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn a tzaddik is not what you think a tzaddik is. Often, often we look at a right, we look at a person, and we say, "Oh, you're a tzaddik." A tzaddik, we often think, is someone who didn't sin. That's completely incorrect. Today, we're going to lift up a tzaddik. We're going to lift it up to a new level. Let's learn it inside. And what I'd like to accomplish right now is threefold. I'd like to look inside and see what is a tzaddik, what is a rasha, what is a bainani, the three levels. I'd like then to look at the back of your paper where you have a chart. We'll fill it out together. The three methods of understanding the three levels. And then I'd like to discuss with you an incredible statement by Eiv Job and get a little insight into what we're dealing with. So we're going to look inside of our Tanya now. We're going to be reading from the fourth paragraph, which starts, we find in the Gemara. We find in the Gemara, fourth paragraph, Lottie, whenever you're ready. Fourth paragraph. So that would be right here, my Shaman. We find in the Gemara. Um, it's page two, correct. In your, you find in the Gemara. No, no, you're fine. Keep on going. 
drop more, drop more. There you go. We find in Gemara five distinct types. A righteous man who prospers, a righteous man who suffers, a wicked man who prospers, a wicked man who suffers, and a Benoni, an intermediate person. Okay, so we have these five types of people. A righteous man who prospers, meaning he has a good life. A righteous man who suffers, has a bad life. A wicked man who prospers, a wicked man who has a good life. A wicked man who has a bad life. And the intermediate person. What is the explanation of these five levels? Thank you, Lottie Baruch. Do you mind continuing a little bit? It, it, it is there explained that the righteous man who prospers is the perfect shot. The righteous man who suffers is the imperfect shot. Okay, let's stop here for a moment. And now we can look at our chart on the back and fill out the first method of understanding the five types of people. The Gemara, Brachis 7a, shares with us that a righteous man who prospers is a complete tzaddik. He never sinned. Could I offer you a handout? Complete tzaddik, a man who never sinned. The righteous man who suffers is a righteous man who does sin. Okay, so according to the Talmud, Brachus 7a, you could be righteous and still, still have sinned. An intermediate person, according to the Talmud, would be simple. No sin, no merit. A wicked man who prospers, easy. He has more sins, but he's not completely sinful. And a wicked man who suffers, completely sinful. The Talmud, Brachel 7 8 is very simple. Completely righteous, good life. Completely wicked, bad life. And then we have the in-between levels. Any, any questions on the Talmud and Brachis? Which that's our standard method of understanding the five levels. Sharona, any questions? Good. Okay. Yes, please, Liz. Uh, can you repeat that? Absolutely. A righteous man who prospers is someone who has no sin. Righteous man who suffers has a little sin. Intermediate one, no sin, no merit. An intermediate, he's nothing. Wicked man who prospers has majority sins. Wicked man who suffers, only sin. Only, like completely. Complete sin. That is the simple method of understanding. Yosef, could you continue a little bit in Raya Mehemna, Parshat Mishpatim? In Raya Mehemna, Parshat Mishpatim, it is explained that the righteous man who suffers is one whose evil na nature is subservient to his good nature, and so on. Okay. The Raya Mehemna. You remember I gave you that example? Are you alive because you're alive, or you're alive because it's attracted in Hayu? That's the Raya Mehemna. The Raya Mehemna says no. If you're not a tzaddik because you do mitzvot. No. A righteous man who prospers is a righteous man who only has good in his life. Meaning only good, I mean to say, in his whole body. He's only made up of good. He's removed all bad. A complete tzaddik is someone 
who has destroyed old bad. David HaMelech, King David, said about himself, He said, I have no bad. So the Rai Mehemna says, that is the completely righteous person, someone who's destroyed old bad. He's taken, remember, we just said, according to the Talmud, it was like, no, if you, if you, if you do mitzvot, you're a tzaddik. No. The Rai Mehemna has taken it a whole new level. He says, no. Righteous means you've destroyed the bad in yourself. So let's describe the five levels now according to the Rai Mehemna. In other words, the Zohar. It's a whole new perspective. The Zohar says a completely a righteous man who prospers is someone who has only good in his life. A righteous man who suffers is someone who is in control of the bad. He has bad, but he's in control of it. The intermediate one is controlled by both, both bad and good. In other words, we're not even talking about your actions. We're saying, who's controlling you? Wicked man who prospers, someone who, the bad, is controlling the good. And wicked man who suffers, only bad in his life. Meaning, he is only made up of bad. Let me say that again. Righteous man who prospers according to the Kabbalah is someone who only has good in him. He is, he, his makeup is good. Good evening, Isaac. A righteous man who suffers is someone who his makeup is, part, is, is mostly good, but he has some bad, but he's in control of it. Again, if the righteous man who suffers is in control of the bad, the intermediate one, bad and good, controlling it to fight. Wicked man who prospers, the, he has some good, but it's being controlled by bad. And wicked man who suffers, he is only, he's controlled, he is bad. There is only evil in his life. Moshe Mel, I'm not talking about you, God forbid. I see you staring at me. Rabbi? Yes? I forgot, what is Raya Mechem? The Zohar. Okay. The branch of the Zohar. Thank you. Okay, second explanation, and now we'll go to the third explanation in the Talmud. Um, um, Moshe Mendel. Please, could you read the third method of, of understanding the five methods, of the, understanding the five levels, by the continuation of the Gemara Ubi Gemara, in the Gemara end of chapter 9 of Brachot. In the Gemara, in chapter 9 of Brachot, it is stated that the righteous are motivated by their good nature. And the are judged by their good nature. You said motivated? Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And the wicked by their evil nature, while the intermediate men are motivated or judged by both, and so on. A third explanation. This explanation cuts out the five levels. It says there's only three. It says, a righteous man, his good is controlling him. Wicked man, evil controlling him. Intermediate, both controlling him. Three methods. Now, if you didn't follow with me until now, that's fine. Well, it's, why is why is a tzaddik who suffers not a bainan? According to which one of the three methods of understanding? The second. The one that, well, that's, the one that we're reading right now in Gamara, the righteous is motivated by the good nature and the wicked by the evil. Why the intermediate? You know what? 
you're, you're sure you're asking the most because it says I for example on the main page no 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 you're, go, please go ahead read it it's awesome go ahead continue no it just yeah read it read it read it it says I for example am a vainity said Abaya to him master do not make it possible for anyone to this Talmud is incredible Chapter 9 of Brachot, it says, Rabbah, the leading Jewish authority, the greatest man at the time. Note if you have it in, if you have the red Tanya. Note number 10. Um, could someone with... Uh, Melissa, could you please read note number 10 on page 3. Since there was none greater than Rabbah, it would mean that there is not even a Sadiq in the world. And all who are lesser than the Rabbah would be placed in the Book of Wicked to be condemned to immediate death. Rabbah, the greatest man alive, says, I am a Bainani, the intermediate man. Okay. That means there's no righteous man at living at the time. A. B is, if he's the greatest, everyone else is wicked, and immediate death. Hey, that's a little harsh. So Abaye a contemporary, actually a student of Rabbah, turns to him and he says, look, Rab Rabbi, my master, my teacher, you're being, really, you're being really tough on all of us. If you say that you're the intermediate man, we're all goners. You're barely alive. An intermediate man. So there's one man that's half normal in the entire world. Everyone else is wicked. Chapter 9, hard to understand. And that's exactly what Rabbi Shneir Zalman says clearly in the Tanya, he says, to understand all the aforesaid clearly, an explanation is needed. <laughs> Yeshua, if you're asking me what's the explanation of that Talmud, I have no clue. That's Rabbi Shneir Zalman's question. We've asked numerous questions up until now, and we're going to ask a few more. And then we'll be able to get to the exciting understanding of the makeup of our body as I mentioned we would. Just a moment of it. If I could just ask, what's the big question here? Rabbah was being humble. Why are we getting all nervous about the statement of Rabbah? He's an Anav. He's a humble man. He said, I'm a Bainani, but he... If I ask David if he's the most talented man in the world, he's going to say no, although he is. Because he's being humble. So what's the issue over here that Rabbah is... He's a humble man. Liz, what's the problem here? What's the big, big question that Yeshua... What's your question? What's the problem with this statement? He's being humble. What's the problem with the statement of Rabbah here? Because everybody's around. Oh, but he's being humble. He doesn't mean it. He's saying even being humble is not fair. Please. I'm oversimplifying, obviously, but um, can't there be one, more than one level of Benoni? Can't somebody who is lesser still be maybe a lower Benoni? No. No? Uh, I, I, I hope to be able to cover that tonight. You'll okay. soon see. The levels, we're going to make them all crystal clear. Okay, very good. Momentarily. Let me share with you all the Talmud at the end of Tractate Sota. Shares with us that Rabbi Yosef, sitting right here, stood up in yeshiva defiant. Why was he defiant? This past week, we observed the yard site this day of passing of, of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda the, the prince, the man, the author of the, of the Mishnah. We just observed his day of passing. 
The Talmud shares about us that when he passed away, humility ceased. He was the last humble man to exist. Says the Talmud that when this statement was made in Yeshiva, Rabbi Yosef stands up and he screams, What are you talking about? I'm still humble. (laughs) True story. There you go, I say it humbly. (laughs) Basha, what's going on over here? (laughs) I'm saying there's no humble people and this man gets up screaming, but I'm humble. Yishai. Humility is not to lie. That's not humility. And this is a mistake that people often make. They, they think, I'm humble when I lie. If someone says, are you a good drummer? I'll say, no, I'm a bad drummer. That's a liar. What you're saying, maybe the actions, not so much the words. You could say, I'm humble, but are you really humble? No, but if you say you're humble, so seemingly then you're showing off. Humility, we understand, is to not show off. If you say you're humble, then you're showing off, so you're not humble anymore. But you don't say you're a bad drummer. You just say they're many greater than me. That is humility. That is humility. There you go. You get the pat on the back. Moshe Rabbeinu was the greatest of all men, and yet we call him the most humble person. He didn't go when someone would say, could you please help me out? He wouldn't say, no, I can't help you out. No. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'll help you out. But he knew... That if someone else had his capabilities, they perhaps would do a better job than him. If someone was granted the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the talents of Moshe Rabbeinu, perhaps they would have done a better job than him. That's humility. Again, humility is not to lie. If someone says, are you a good cook? Could you, could, do you think you'd do a great job cooking for Shabbos? And you say, no, you're a liar. If, unless you're like me then that would be fine. But otherwise you'd be a liar. So when this Rabbi Yosef stands up and says, I'm humble, he was saying the truth. He was saying, now we're discussing the Talmud, and now I'm going to share with you that I feel that to make such a blanket statement is not true. There, true story. There was a rabbi in Cincinnati who called himself the chief rabbi of Americans and, and Canada. Rabbi Silver, thank you. And he was once had to testify in court. And the judge called him up and said, we're now going to call the chief rabbi of America. And the man, the man, Rabbi Silver corrects him and says, and Canada. So the judge says, what about humility? He says, I'm under oath, judge. <laughs> Rabba, if Rabba was a tzaddik, Excuse me, can I make an interruption? Please, please. I, this Rabbi Silver, okay, his grandson is the one that came with Charlie Schiffman to my house when I was a kid. You know the famous story yeah, about yeah, Charlie? Yeah. It's Rabbi Silver's grandson. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to Okay. If Rabbi was a tzaddik, he can't lie and say I'm a Benini. That's a liar. Humility would be to say, I'm not the greatest tzaddik. But to go from a tzaddik to a bainani, he's a liar, and that's not... Jew, Jews don't lie. Right, Baruch? Right. Okay. <laughs> so says the Reb Shneir Zalman, the question that Yeshua is asking, he says, what do you mean? How could Rabbah say, I'm a bainani, meaning everyone else is wicked, and that's the end of all of them. There's something wrong over here. 
And obviously, this is going to be the starting point to get to what um, Lottie asked. We obviously recognize here that a Benini is a very, very holy person. If Rabbah could say, I am an intermediate, that means an intermediate is an extremely, extremely great person. And that's what we're going to establish now. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to prove, not I, Rabbi Shneir Zalman is going to prove to each and every one of you that the Benini is this extremely high man. And remember, each and every one of us could be a Benini. So whatever we're going to learn now is our potential, is your potential. Correct, Melissa? Got it. So listen in to what our potential is. A wicked man, just to share with you outside a few points. If someone sins, they're wicked. Period. The time you sin, you're a wicked person. If someone, just to share with you in short what Rabbi Shneir Zaman is going to say, and then we'll look at it inside, he's going to say, if you've sinned, you're a wicked man. If you repented, you're a righteous person. If you've gone ahead and even transgressed the smallest transgression. You didn't listen to one of the rabbinic inactions. You didn't wash your hands before eating bread. You didn't light candles, Shabbos candles. These are only rabbinic inactions. We're going to look in the Talmud that says that person is a wicked person. The Talmud is going to say if someone doesn't study Torah when they have a moment and instead they read a magazine, that's a wicked person. Very sharp, by the way, and, and relax, relax. We're going to, I, I want to clarify my point at the end. The Talmud, the, we're going to quote the Talmud that says... <laughs> we're, we're going to quote the Talmud that's going to share with us. It takes a second to become a wicked person. <laughs> but the Talmud also says it takes a second to become a righteous person. And let me share with you this Talmud. If nothing else, look at this piece, and it's a, it's a true inspiration. If you have a handout, or if, you, if you're looking in your Tanya page, number eight, please. I didn't give you, huh? I'm so sorry. So at least... No, no, you don't use this Tanya. Number eight. David, can you please read number eight? Um, sorry, D David Birnbaum. I have to be clear. Even if he is absolutely wicked, he is betrothed. For he may have mediated repentance in his heart. The Talmud shares with us, we all know to get married, the man has to acquire his wife. The man acquires the wife, that is the method the Torah tells us. And he has to give her something, a ring. But he's allowed to make a condition. He's allowed to say, I'm giving you this ring, this ring, but you're only married to me if you fly to Chicago. Guess what? She could keep the ring, and if she doesn't go to Chicago, they're not married. And he could do anything. The only thing he can't do is, if he could say, I'll be married to you as long as you walk to the moon, then they're married, even without going to the moon, because it's not probable. Yes. But the Talmud says, if a man is the most wicked man in the world, and he goes over to a woman and he gives her a ring, and he says, I'm marrying you on condition that, that I am right now a righteous man. The Talmud says they're probably married. Because it only takes one second to become a righteous person. It takes mm -hmm. one thought of repentance and the man's righteous. Mm -hmm. The Talmud, just to finish off the Talmud, the Talmud says, therefore they need a divorce document. Because we're not sure if he truly repented or if he truly repented or not. So if they want to remain married, he has to prove his worth, otherwise 
he actually has to go ahead and give her a get because, because this has so much value. One second we could become righteous. All it takes is one second. You know, Rabbi Lazar ben Dudaya, the Talmud shares with, with us about this man, he was a completely wicked man. Completely wicked man. He was called Elazar. And yet, the last moment of his life, he truly repented. True, he meant what he, he meant, what he was saying to God. He, he really felt bad for everything he did. And a heavenly voice came out when he died and said, Rabbi Elazar, the son of Dudaya. Because he had repented. Repentance only takes one second. So now, what we have clarity in is that a Bainani is not the way we've perceived it until now or that Sadiq where he has more mitzvos. Someone that has 51% mitzvos and 49% averos is a wicked person. Because as long as you have one avera you didn't repent for, so then you're termed wicked. So obviously the middleman is someone that has no sin. And remember, we could all be this person. And if we sinned, we just need to repent. And that will be called righteous. righteous. Remember, we could have sinned, that's fine. Look, don't worry about your past. It takes one second to repent. Yes? What, uh, what about people who don't know that they're doing bad things? Or vice versa? People who don't know they're good. They, they just live their life. Who tells them that they're good or bad? You. You're That's your conscious. job. No, no, you. Me? Aviva Stone. That's your job. That's our job is to go and inspire people. I am not going to go to someone and say you're not a good person. You shouldn't. But you should go and say, hey, come to my house for Friday night. And have them enjoy your house for Friday night and say, wow, what do you think about lighting Shabbos candles? It's so inspirational. Okay. So, this, so this cuts right straight to the philosophy that, all, that there's a pentelid in everyone. Mm -hmm. There's a spark in everyone, no matter how wicked they may appear to be. There's, a, there's always that one little element. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we live for. Absolutely. Is to, uh, is to light that spark, to build a fire. Correct. Right? Yeah. Um, uh -huh. There was someone in Russia who was very much responsible for the deaths of I don't know how many people, and the Rebbe still had someone reach out to him. Wow. Because I, of that belief. The, the, that it's very interesting what you said, and I, I'm, so I'm saying if you go into the book, I don't remember the name of the person, but you read it. You but read he it. was a but it was clearly he was a Russia, and yet the Russians tried to send someone to reach out to him. Thank you. I know which one it was? There were so many of them. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, I. Thank you, Yeshua, and the. Point well taken, and that's going to be chapter 2. We're going to go into great length, talking about how we're all one body, we're all one soul, we're all one human. So I'm still a little bit confused. I'm still a little. Um, I thought uh, Sadiq was someone who, it, it wasn't 5149, it was 100 and 0. That, Correct, that's what we're establishing now. Yeah. We're saying that even a, 
Sorry, I'm saying even a Bainini is 100 zero. Even intermediate is 100 well, zero. Well, maybe at a given point in time, perhaps, but, but a Bainini basically is one who's struggling to be a tzaddik. Right. That's what I thought also that the Benoni is someone that's yeah. fighting and sometimes the good ones and yeah, sometimes the bad. Whereas yeah. it's We're going to so so we're gonna see inside very soon. Does Mashiach come when everyone is inside? Or a Benoni. No. 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 Regarding just to quickly and then I want to take David's question, I apologize. I know you've had your hand up for a while. Um Regarding your initial question of, of your perception of the Bainani, there's a reason you have that perception. It's a correct perception, but we're going to soon see inside that it is not the Torah true definition. The Torah has two methods of uh, understanding each item, whether you're righteous, wicked, or an intermediate. There's a method of how the judge looks at you and how God looks at you. Meaning judge means what you're going to be judged for. For example, if you're mostly righteous, you'll be considered in heaven. In the court, you'll be considered a righteous man. But if you want to be a truly righteous person, you want to be termed a righteous man, not in court, outside of court, then that's a whole new perception. And we'll get to that momentarily. Um, yes, David? There's an overwhelming principle, overriding principle, that I think we need to bear in mind. Uh, first of all, there's the colloquial use of the term Zodic, and we can't allow that to confuse us the theological um, manifestations of what a tzaddik is. The second point is that the, again, overriding emphasis that, uh, as I have read it, in this as well as in the Talmud, uh, is that Judaism expects a middle course. It expects humans to be human. At the same time, that doesn't allow excess of the excess of righteousness to the point where you're no longer of this world because you spend your whole time uh, uh, studying and not making a contribution, not paying attention to other people. You simply have achieved, attempted to achieve an esoteric level divorce from mankind, which is why we don't have people sitting in caves contemplating whatever the hell it is that they contemplate. And we don't have people who, in the name of Judaism, uh, commit unrighteousness and horrible <clears throat> crimes in order to pursue Hashem. We expect that we will be of this world. We won't drink too much. We won't eat too much. Uh, we will study. We will raise our families. We will conduct life as it is. And we will recognize that that in itself is a sacred job and that we are pursuing what Hashem expects of us if we do that. And so the altar emphasizes and develops that point that you are indeed achieving your purpose, that you cannot allow yourself to be depressed because you cannot be what you imagine to be a tzaddik, that you must be of this world and do your best and study and be penitent and do perform your obligations as a husband and a parent and go out to work as hard as you can, reprimand people appropriately without embarrassing them in public, be a mensch. Okay, thank you, David, for that, for pointing that out. Um, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to read over the points mentioned that we just said about, about what a tzaddik is and what a bainani is. We'll read that over out loud. We'll get back to one more point and with that we'll conclude. Um, 
Yeshua, do you mind reading a little bit? If you could read, we'll read. We're going to skip a little bit. We're going to skip the paragraph to understand. I want to get back to that at the end of class. And let's skip to, it is also necessary. Um, Yeshua, if you don't mind reading, it is also necessary. It is also necessary to understand? Yeah. It is also necessary to understand the essential nature of the rank of the interview. Surely that cannot mean one whose deeds are half virtuous and half sinful. For if this were so, how could Rabbah err in classifying himself as a vain? For it is known that he never ceased studying the Torah, so much so that the angel of death could not overpower him. How then could he err to have half of his deeds sinful? Okay, so one proof that the intermediate can't be a sinner is Rabbah. Like I said, he, 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 we couldn't say he's being humbled. If he never sinned, he never sinned. So it's clear, one proof, that the Bainani doesn't have sin. And by the way, if the Bainani doesn't have sin, remember, that means the Tzaddik is even greater than that. Okay, um, Ladia, if I could pick on you again. Um, furthermore. Furthermore, at what stage can a person be considered a Bainani if when a man commits sins... He is deemed completely wicked, but when he repents afterward, he is deemed completely right. Okay, this is like we just said. Remember, if someone sinned, don't feel bad. All they need to do is that one second. Remember, we quoted the Talmud. One second and you're righteous. So, if you sinned, you're wicked. If you, if, if you did, repented, you're righteous. So, where is this intermediate? Um, Melissa, can you continue? Even. Why do you think? Melissa, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even he who violates the minor prohibition of the rabbis is called wicked, and it, and it is stated that the you vote chapter you vote chapter two and in the Nida chapter one. Moreover, even he who is, who has the opportunity to forewarn another against sinning and does not do so, is called wicked. That means, this is very strong. We have to, by the way, pay attention to this. If you see someone doing something inappropriate and you say nothing, you're called a wicked person. Exactly like Yeshua just mentioned before, we're all, we're all one person. We're all responsible for one another. And watching someone else sin is our fault. Yishai, could you continue? All the more so. Oh, all the more so. He who neglects any positive law which is able to fulfill, for instance, whoever is able to study Torah and does not Re regarding oh, regarding whom our sages have quoted because he has despised the word of the Lord, that soul shall be utterly cut off. It is thus plain that such a person is called wicked more than he who violates the prohibition of the rabbis. If this is so, we must conclude that the Benini is not guilty even of the sin of neglecting to study the Torah. Hence, Rabbah could mistake himself for a Benini. If, if we think about how much trust we have in ourselves and how much trust Shneer Zalman has in you, how many of us trust that we could never sin? I don't know, I could tell you for myself, it's a hard perspective. But the fact is that each and every one of us could be this intermediary, this intermediate, the Benini. And the Benini is someone that doesn't sin. That means we have, to, we have to know that our potential is 
possibly much higher than we perceive ourselves. If we perceive our potential to have only pure thoughts and no sin, then you're doing great. But if you think we're human, so David, I need to argue on you. I disagree with the premise we're human. We are human. But our potential is to not sin. Our potential is to only have proper thought and only act appropriately if we, if we sin, we're human. But if we allow ourselves to sin, we're not human. That's... Uh, I didn't say that. No, no, I know. And, and I, I agree with you. I, we're all human. Potential is there. Yeah. To be human is to be a tzaddik. Potentially. Yes. I mean, I'll argue with that also. Our potential is not a tzaddik, it's a bainani. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so what have we accomplished so far? We've, what, what we've done is tremendous. And we've kind of pushed over the hurdle. The first thing, if I wanted to prove to you that you could be a bainani, this intermediary... The first thing, thing I need to do is tell you what is an intermediary. What is an intermediate, sorry. And that is what we've accomplished over the last two weeks. We've established that the intermediate that each and every one of us could be is someone that has no sin, someone that has only good thoughts. So when I told you on the first day we started that, that within this class, well, I'm, going, I'm not going to, the Repetitioners, I'm going to give you the ability to have full and complete control of you, of, over your thought, speech, and action, well, that, that is exactly what I'm proving to you now. I'm proving to you that you could be that intermediate. That intermediate is someone that is in control of his thoughts, speech, and action. Are there any questions? <laughs> We're screwed. <laughs> I said the exact opposite. I said that... You're yeah, I mean, we all have the potential to be everything. Oh, we, we knew that, but we could have just taken Shulchan Aruch and said, you know, done that, but... You're basically, according to this, we're not even Benoni, we're not even close to that. We have a lot of work to do. Oh, remember, I said it takes one second to become a tzaddik. So not a lot of work to do. But what I will give you, and that's what we're going to continue, is over, over through learning the Tanya... We're gonna, right, what happens after that? <laughs> we're go, together we're going to get those tools of how to become... We're only on pay, we're, we only finished one-third of chapter one. So, don't get too worried. We, we're going to learn together and we're going to gain those tools that are going to share with us how to get in control of our thought, speech, and action. Yeah, this may be something you don't want to address, but I have just an inherent problem with that, with the kind of idea, like, I come from a non-religious family. It's almost anti-religious family. Mm-hmm. And so I was not religious for many years. It, isn't that a little unfair to kind of put me in that situation and then say, oh, you're, you're a Russia? Because you didn't get yourself out of it, which is incredibly difficult. I know it's a huge question. No, I want to talk about but it. But I find it depressing. I, I want to talk about it. It's not very motivating you're to kind of. I mean, I'm already, uh, you know, I'm already out of it, but. You know. <laughs> I want to share. It's you'll forgive me. We'll go a few mo- moments over time. I want to share two points. Someone is asking a tremendous question. She's saying that she ha- wasn't born in a religious family. And if my point is clear, I will tell you on the contrary, that, that all it takes is one second. You're, you're on the same level as me. You're on the same level as everyone. It does, a life... Oh, you weren't born in a religious family? <laughs> as the second someone makes a positive connection, makes, makes the resolution to remove the... To, to connect with God, so his history is past him. Remember we said, uh, let me quote it to you. 
we said that when a person commits sin, he's, complete, he's deemed completely wicked. But when he repents, he's, com- he's com- deemed completely righteous. Right, but when you coming from a religious family, yeah. when you sinned, you knew it was a sin. I didn't even know it was. That's, so you're even luckier. I, I was sort of way back there. I don't even know this is a problem. And then to discover that it's a problem, that's even difficult because you guys don't let us in. You know. So let me you share with you a can of worms. Sharona's opening, opening up a can of worms. Let me share know, with you. No, no, no. On the contrary, I want to discuss it. The Shulchan Aruch says, someone who doesn't keep Shabbos cannot be a part of the ten people of the Minyan. Let me share with you that in Beis Menachem we will count someone who desecrates Shabbos. Not happily, we're not, it's not something we'll encourage, God forbid, but we will count them for the Minyan. Yet the Shulchan Aruch said it's not allowed. And I will tell you we are Orthodox and we follow Shulchan Aruch to the fullest extent. I will share with you even more. The Shulchan Aruch says someone who doesn't keep Shabbos can't, get, can't be called up to the Torah. On and on. So how in Beis Menachem will we give, do we give people an Aliyah? Let me share with you the, the exact word of the Shulchan Aruch. The exact word of the Shulchan Aruch say, says like this. A child that was captured by the Christians and became a Christian and acted as a Christian his whole life. He's a perfect child. And even though he may have sinned his whole life, he has no sin. That's the way he's been educated. That's the way he's been brought up. And we recognize where it's coming from. Tinok Shenishpa. A child that's been captured. A child that's been put into a situation not of himself. Not on his own accord. So when the Torah says that if you do something, perhaps it's called a sin. See, it's easier for me to be a sinner than for you to be a sinner. I was brought up with this. It's, I have much more pressure on me. You know what you're doing. So you're being held to a higher standard. I, that's right. I'm being held accountable. Someone that was never taught... Because even on, on her level, even on my level, you know, you're accountable for what you do, but I'm talking about being held to a higher standard. When you talk about being being least orthodox, I'm talking about, for example, maybe that's what you were talking about, being raised conservative or even reformed. It's, it's a higher level. Yes, yes, that's correct. Whatever we were brought, brought up with, we are going to be held accountable with, for that. But if we were brought up in an anti-religious background, then we're not going to be held accountable. Because that's the way we were, we were raised. So, so... If so, if, <laughs> now I put myself on the hook. If someone... Is this kind of the latter analogy? In other words, look, look at where you are in terms of on the rungs of the ladder. And, and maybe your, your whole life you were at the very bottom rung. Okay? But if you go up a level, 